in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Louis Guzman to your Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and that we're journeying to the center of the earth today. Ooh, Chris, dropping the topic in your intro. I'm making. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start spicing up a little bit. I'm gonna see if I can't do it. I love it, and you are correct. We are going to be talking about the Hollow Earth today, and I'm so excited about it. This is going to be a George Norrie interview with Rodney Clough from December 24th, 2004. So we're going way back. Holy cow! This is the. This is the first time we've really focused on the hollow earth, right? Like we got, we talked a little bit in giants. We talked a little bit in reptoids with our boy, Johnny Rhodes, but this is the first time we've really taken a deep dive into the hollow earth. And I mean that literally. Yeah. A a very deep dive is what today is going to be. Do we have the giant crystals in this hollow earth? There will be a giant crystal. Okay. There's going to be giant crystal. How about dinosaurs? We have dinosaurs. Uh, mammoths? Do, do mammoths count that, as dinosaurs? That'll totally count. Okay. And there's there's also going to be a monorail. So get excited Ooh. for that. Monorail, monorail, monorail. Yeah, this Rodney Clough guy, he was actually planning a full expedition into the Hollow Earth using a Russian nuclear icebreaker ship. That's so cool. Which is very exciting. So we're going to talk what? all he about just, that. He just went down the hole straight in? With the ship? That that was the plan. You just go right into the hole. Oh, my Lord. I can't wait. It's very exciting. Before we get to that, Chris, we have to check in with our good friend, Tim Banal, at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim time! Today's article, Exorcist Warns Bizarre Christian Spirit Board is a Trap from the Devil. It always is. We ha- how many times do we have to say this on this on this podcast? And I can't pass up a good Ouija board article. You know I love Ouija boards. It's yeah, I know you do. I know you do. I'm starting to get tired of them. <laughs> All right. Well, this was a Christian one. It's very exciting because you can okay. talk to Jesus. Right. Okay. Oh, that is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's a twist. It's a twist. <laughs> so from the article, a bizarre spirit board that is marketed as a way to speak to Jesus Christ has understandably drawn the ire of a Catholic exorcist who cautions that it is a trap from the devil. Yeah, dude, church not going to be happy about that, dude. Not at all. (laughs) Father Ernesto Caro reportedly issued the warning last week during an appearance on the program EWTN Nightly News. He noted... The the priests are, are emissaries to God and Jesus, dude. And so if you're you're taking away their job, you're taking away the only reason they exist, why they like are have to be celibate their whole lives, at least some of them. Mm. Supposed to be celibate their whole lives. Supposed there you go. Supposed to be celibate their whole lives. Yeah, dude, we're cutting out the middleman. We're going getting a main line Jesus Christ. Main line Jesus, dude. A hundred percent pure Jesus Christ. 
The priest noted that the game is essentially a Ouija board and has been repurposed using Christian symbols, including a cross for the planchette. <laughs> go, just go. Of particular concern to Caro is that the Holy Spirit board is sold on Amazon with some rather tantalizing promises that he fears might fool people into communicating with sinister forces. What are those promises on Amazon, dude? That you could talk directly to Jesus. Oh, but that's that's the that's the promise. I think it's the biggest promise on okay. it. Yeah, it's on the box. The box literally says talk directly to Jesus Christ. Is can you do like kind of a genie thing with Jesus and get a couple of wishes? You know, I don't know. If you rub Jesus' belly when he shows up, do, does he grant you wishes? I it could, could be. I thought that was the Buddha. Oh, yeah, we'll work on it. I don't actually okay. know. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll do a deep dive into whose belly we should be rubbing. More belly rubs. Described as, quote, perfect for churches, prayer groups, or just getting together with friends, the tug-in-cheek listing assures prospective buyers that, quote, unlike other spirit boards, this one will never contact evil ghosts or demons, so you can ask your questions with an assured sense of safety. Hey, guys, you want to come over and talk to Jesus? It sounds like a really fun infomercial, or like one of those uh, like Nickelodeon commercials when we were yes. kids. Yeah, and all the kids are like, Let's talk to the Christ. <laughs> While the product is clearly a satirical take on the Ouija board, Caro insists that it is no laughing matter and express dismay that some unwitting individuals may wind up opening a door that could be dangerous should they think that the game is a genuine way to communicate with Jesus. You know, it's funny. I, I, I it seems like so often that people are using the Ouija board negatively, it would it would be an interesting idea of what if it's a hundred percent positive. Yeah. You know, we, we always talked about if you're gonna talk to anyone, talk to one of your relatives who has passed away. Mm -hmm. Right? Like look for that person if you're gonna go to the Ouija board. But I mean an enlightened figure like Jesus Christ, like the Buddha, like Muhammad, I mean, who knows? Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe you'll open up a portal to a positive world. I would like someone to explain to me how it is possible to communicate with Satan, but you can't communicate with like Jesus or That's let's right. even just say a saint, maybe yeah, like Peter. Saint. What if I just get Peter? A si Dude, Francis of Assisi. That's a good one to reach out to. Great one. I don't know. I think it should be possible. We'll see. I'll buy it and let you know. This is making me think about the Ouija board a little bit different. Like, 100% pure Ouija, dude. Yeah, yeah. Posi vibes only Ouija board. Back to the article. To those who may have already been duped into thinking that the device could actually communicate with Jesus, Caro advised that they immediately dispose of the game as well as repent and ask God for liberation. Although the exorcist's decision to sound the alarm about the Holy Spirit board is no doubt with the done with the best intentions, one cannot help but wonder if the priest himself is unwittingly doing the devil's handiwork as his fiery denunciation of the device has sparked headlines around the world and drawn more attention to the product than an actual advertising campaign possibly could. That is a great point. Yeah, dude. I mean, uh, here's my thing, though. I haven't heard a word about this. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard a thing about this. So like the reach of the church has really suffered 
in the the ensuing decades, dude, because like I got nothing about Jesus Christ Ouija. But the reach of the reach of Coast to Coast PM continues to grow, and that's really continues to grow on a daily basis, and we appreciate you all for that. So check this out, Chris. Once again, this is an audio podcast, but I do have the twenty nine ninety five dollar Amazon Spirit Board brought up here, where you can speak directly to Jesus. That really looks more like Moses than Jesus. It's it's very Mosesy. I think that's just God. I think that maybe that's uh, supposed to that, be just God. That's God. Okay. Yeah, it's very and, old And this man is going to go in the, in the show notes, and you guys can buy your friends a, uh, a, a Jesus Ouija. But the planchette is a cross, which is pretty funny, honestly. Yeah, that's a good That's a good cross. Uh, I like it's a you're, you're up in the clouds, Ouija. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing like a weird infinity sign with it, which yeah, is they weird. Are. Yeah, and the, my other favorite too, because every Ouija board has a goodbye. This one's goodbye says goodbye Jesus. <laughs> so they <it's... laughs> so really only talking to one person, or maybe uh, a Mexican guy named Jesus. Yeah, that you. Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, yeah. I just love that they're that confident about the Ouija board that they're like, no, Jesus is the only one getting through. No, you're talking directly to Jesus. Yeah, so uh, pick up your Jesus Christ Ouija board today and get some solid life advice, probably from the big man. Hey, guys, have you ever thought about talking to Jesus Christ? Well, come on down. We're going to play with the Jesus Christ Ouija, $19.99 on Amazon today. All right. Well, to our episode today, let's dive into the hollow earth. I'm diving deep, dude. And I really do think I'm more the Louis Guzman, and you're definitely more the Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? Right now I am, yeah, because I am jazzed. I have been thinking about the hollow earth nonstop for weeks since I listened to this episode jazzed but not jacked i could be if i wanted to that's what everyone says is that what everyone says i could be a lot skinnier if i wanted to all right rodney but i'm louis gusman but i'm louis gusman rodney clough the man who is planning an expedition to go inside of the hollow earth so he's going to start off his story about why the hollow earth exists and how he got into this naturally with a story about his buddy who was told about a man named Admiral Byrd from a woman. Uh, Chris, are you familiar with Sir Admiral Byrd? He's not a sir. I I don't know why I said that. I know. Admiral's good enough, dude. Yeah. All right. (laughs) My God, give him his comeuppance. All right. Don't add more titles. Mr. Admiral Um, Byrd. Yeah. I do know about Admiral Byrd. But I, I will say I'm excited to learn more about him. So let's jump into uh, the story that has made its way to Rodney Clough about Mr. Bird uh, and, and his adventures in the Arctic. As background, Admiral Bird, he was an aviator uh, who did fly uh, across the North Pole. And she told uh, my friend John Gagne that Admiral Bird, after his Arctic flight of 1947, had come to her and confided in her what he had found up there. She said that Admiral Bird flew past the ice, came to a continent covered with lush vegetation, saw a mammoth wandering along on the terrain below. He said, she said that uh, he says that they were presently sighted by flying saucer type craft that took control of his airplane and landing, landed him near an inner earth city. He was taken in and interviewed by a government official of their country, and 
their concern was that we had just uh, used nuclear weapons to blow up a couple of cities out here at the end of World War II, mm-hmm. just a year before. And the message that they wanted him to bring back to our government was that they opposed our use of nuclear weapons. A good message, at least. Not a bad one, you know. You That's can't a really nice get message. That. Yeah, it's <laughs> a really nice message. Uh, I don't remember that story about Admiral Byrd. You you may not, Chris, because that's in his secret diary. His secret diary that only this woman read. So let's get into it a little bit. Okay, of, a little bit of uh, aviation history, if you will. Yeah, so, please, please. Richard Byrd was an aviator who claimed to be the first person to reach the North Pole by air in 1926. Old. So. After he had his flight, he reached the North Pole. He then returned to the United States as a hero, and Congress promoted him to the rank of commander. And he was also given the Medal of Honor by President Calvin Coolidge, which is pretty fun. Everyone's favorite president, (laughs) Calvin Coolidge. Yeah, great one, dude. Great one. Now, whether or not he actually reached the North Pole is actually disputed. Uh, It probably didn't happen. He probably was not the first person to actually fly over the North Pole really yeah yeah so he may have just like made it pretty far up to canada and then turned around and was like i threw across the arctic it was real cold that's almost exactly what happened so people at the time claimed that his trip was too short based on the speed of his plane and there's no way that he could have actually made it to the pole and back and in 1996 his diary was publicly released i believe it was by the ohio state university and it revealed erased but still legible sextant sites that differ from his typewritten report that he gave to the National Geographic Society. So nice. Yeah. Researchers determined that Bird actually made it 80% of the way to the North Pole before he okay. had to turn back because of an oil leak. And then he right. faked his data to right. say that he was the first person to fly over the North Pole, meaning that he wasn't actually the first flight over the North Pole. It was made a few days later by the airship Norge, who beat him out. Oh, no way, dude. So this person that, like, busted their hump to get there has a swindler taking all their credit. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Burgess lied. He just made up his readings. And I'm going to guess that there's nothing in his already made-up diary about further made-up Mastodons walking around and flying saucers. So not a emissary from uh, a government talking to him not quite yet so that occurred in 1926 and 27 what our friend rodney was discussing was something that occurred in 1947 so bird became famous for being the first person okay to, to fly over the pole but in 1947 right. okay. bird was put in charge of operation high jump which was the largest antarctic expedition to date at the time yes. it was ran by the okay. u.s military Okay, this is yep. where I come into my Admiral Bird lore. Yeah, it was probably Operation High Jump. That's yeah, that's it's the really Antarctica. Yeah. All right. So it the operation included six helicopters, six flying boats, two seaplanes, and fifteen aircraft that surveyed a region uh, of the pole the si- about half the size of the United States. Oh wow! So they they surveyed a pretty good piece of it. Oh, a huge chunk. Now this was where he was keeping a diary, right? Uh, In 1984, uh, 
the Hollow Earth Research Society claims that they were given a secret diary that was written by Admiral yeah. Byrd that was dated February 19th, 1947. Every good leader keeps two diaries. You keep the one that you know is getting published, and you keep the top secret one, dude. Everyone knows that. And that's apparently what he did. And it made its way, I don't know how, to the Hollow Earth Research Society. <laughs> There's no, like, story on how they got it, who gave it to them. It just showed up one day, and they're like, look what we got. Yeah, some guy just gave it to them. All right, this is giving, it's like, some joseph smith vibes a little bit so in the diary uh it tells how bird was flying to the north pole right and he began okay. to see green fields and mountains and then he heard a voice over the radio welcoming him specifically saying like welcome commander and it was speaking english which is part peculiar i'll say now eh. his plane engine shuts off but he's still flying right and then eventually his plane, which is still flying and he has no idea why, just stops moving and then drops down to the ground as if it was like on some sort of uh, elevator, right? Now, for laser here, beams, Paul, laser beams. It was UFOs and laser beams, actually. So UFOs are flying around. He meets with leaders of the inner earth who tell him that he's concerned about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And they said that in 1945, they tried to meet with the outer world, but their flying saucers kept getting shot at by governments up here. That mm -hmm. actually tracks a little bit. That one would that make actually, sense. <laughs> that, were, uh, that one is dangerously on point. Now, these inner earth leaders, according to the diary, said that the outer world humans were destined to destroy themselves and that when they do, a new civilization would rise up and the inner earth would be there to help guide the new civilization to a more productive path. Are these beings like the Morlocks of, of like the time machine, H.G. Wells's time machine, or are these like essentially humans, they just live underground? Very tall humans that live in the hollow earth. Not underground, though. It's okay. it's literally inside of a gigantic hollow shell that is the inside of the Earth. Oh, okay. So they're on the other side of the crust, but it's not like they're living in caverns. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's so a big they have, open like, sunshine space. or something? How do we'll, they get... We'll get there. We'll get, there's right. a whole right. inner sun situation okay. we got to go through. Oh, yes. Yeah, we'll get there. So at that point, Bird was put back in his plane and he was sit on his way with the message for the inner world leaders. And then Bird tried to tell the U.S. government this, but was ordered to remain silent and the secret diary was hidden. Yeah, dude, shut your mouth. We're making so much money because of the weapons. All right, now. So that is the story of Admiral Bird, right? And that has kicked off most of the right. hollow earth lore kind of across the board. Important question, though, what does the Hollow Earth actually look like, right? Because Nori's a little curious. Like, how does this function according to the laws of physics if there is an Earth inside of our Earth? Inside the Earth, uh, suspended in the hollow, is a central sun that emits a solar wind out through the polar openings, causing the auroras to light up above the uh, poles. And that at near about five degrees from the poles, is are situated uh, polar openings that curve gradually into the interior of the Earth. My so estimate... 
Go ahead, Rodney. My estimate of the polar openings is that they are about 890 miles from crest to crest, and it gradually curves into the inner Earth. That's a huge hole. Giant. Massive. That, that's a massive, massive hole. Holy mm. crap. And so it curves in, so you're just like, you just kind of subtly go in, so you would never, like, tip over. Yeah, and the other thing is you may not even notice that you're in the hollow earth when you go in. Right, because the, the hole is so huge. Mm-hmm, yeah. It would be the whole horizon. We got a clip for it. One sec. Okay. So with that curvature, though, it's very possible that you could fly into it or even walk into it, and you wouldn't even know because it would be ever so slightly, right? Very, very slightly. The curvature can, can be de de detected. And on our voyage to the Hollow Earth expedition, we're going to take uh, gyroscopes that will be able to detect the curvature into the polar opening and help us locate that 90-mile aperture. Hey, baby, go go grab the gyroscopes. We're going to go figure out the curvature of the Earth. That's the thing is that the curve that you're taking is so gradual that the only way to know that you're even there is by spinning a gyroscope. And then when your level starts to, like, fall off of the level of the gyroscope, then you know that you're entering the right. hollow Earth's curve. <laughs> this is this is awesome. Yeah. Do, I want to know more about the internal sun because this one has got me going. That that's the reason we have the aurora borealis, dude. I've been lied to my whole entire life. Yes, because we have an inner sun. It's made of crystal that's blasting like magnetism out and stuff. You know what, though? Kind of to be fair, I mean, the mantle, not the mantle, the uh, the core and the outer core kind of are like internal suns. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. You know what I mean? Just like ultra hot magma, lead, you know, metal, you know, and it, and it circles. And I mean, like, it, that is the reason why we have the Aurora Borealis. So it's kind of <laughs> not 100% wrong here. I think you may be being a little too fair to him. No, I'm being, uh, he's, he I may mean, have. Of course, like, sort of like an inside sun. Yeah, I mean, it's hot. It's hot. It's super duper hot. It's molten metal, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give that one to him. All right. It, well, to your question, though, because you were asking about who lives inside of there, and it's actually it's actual humans who live inside of the hall. Okay. They just accidentally got in there? Wasn't an accident. It's the Lost okay. Tribes of Israel. What are the possibilities, Rodney, that also within this hollow earth might be human beings who have somehow decided to live there? Is that possible? Oh, uh, I'm uh, I am certain that the um, people that live in the hollow earth are not extraterrestrials. They're uh, most of them are, are uh, from the lost tribes of Israel that uh, migrated into the North countries over 2,500 years ago and have just progressed uh, faster than we have because they don't have wars and sickness like we have. The loss tribes of israel made it into the hollow earth after their sojourn out of babylon yeah isn't that great <laughs> they were like let's sail all the way south they and got <laughs> they got kicked out of israel and yeah. then they're just like let's just keep walking i think they went all the way north is oh is, okay there's okay. a top hole and the bottom hole 
So right. actually, I don't know if they right. could have gone to either one. Yeah. Well, it would be easier to go all the way north yeah. through, like, Norway. And then they just, they were like, oh, wow, a giant ice sheet. Maybe let's keep going. Yeah. And according to his lore, the Garden of Eden is also inside the Hollow Earth. And it's where the seat of King David, where God in the Old Testament said that one of King David's descendants would always sit on the throne. That's where the throne is, is inside the hollow earth. There you go. He solved it. Uh, How did they get this information out? Just to Admiral Byrd? Admiral Byrd's the one who's telling us all this stuff? Because the... This... uh, I'm, I'm confused. So Admiral Byrd is used to establish that there is a hollow earth where there's like mammoths and a bunch of crap like that in an advanced civilization. There is another story. This one I was not as familiar with. It's about a man named Olaf Jensen, Chris, a Norwegian sailor. What a great name. And Olaf Jensen spent two years inside of the hollow earth and he came back to tell his tale. Two years? Two years. I always wanted to do two years in New York City. Uh, two years in the hollow water sounds like it would be a little bit more interesting. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Now, before we get into Olaf Jensen's story, just to kind of establish what we're even looking at here, the way that Rodney Clough's idea works about the hollow earth is very different from the reptilian hollow earth that we talked about in episode two. Right. That hollow earth that John Rhodes talks about is like a series of like giant caverns and stuff that people right. Are- reptilians are living inside of right but rodney clough is describing is earth itself is actually just a hollow shell and that if you walk around and go through the hole in the top gravity is inside of the crust so that means that you stick to the shell whether you're on the inside or the outside so there's a whole (laughs) other continent on the inside of the crust of the earth Okay. Um, so it's not like you're in a cavern. It's like it's a gigantic hole that's inside of Earth that you're walking around inside of and just walking on the inner wall of the Earth. I kind of love the idea of spaceship Earth being that like we create. Well, again, he's not 100 percent wrong. What gravity is, is us being pulled down by, you know, he's calling it the crust, but it's the whole weight of the planet. Yeah. So, again, I mean. I can kind of see how he's making these connections. Yeah. But that's where like, that's why like the water doesn't just like fall into the hole and disappear right? because it's one continuous thing. Yeah. On the, the crust of the earth. Yeah. So you just go over the lip and then it's like, you're like an ant essentially. You just go over the lip and then you go inside and you're still just kind of walking around on the edge. Yeah. It's like a a Mobius strip. Mm -hmm. Just like that. It's a Mobius strip earth. Now, so we got a guy named Olaf Jensen, right? Norwegian fella back in like the 1850s, accidentally finds himself in the hollow earth. So let's get to his story because it's where a lot of this lore comes from. Well, that's pre, you said 1855? It would have been around the 1850s when Olaf Jensen went in there. So he's before Admiral Byrd. This was before Admiral Byrd, yeah. Okay. In 1829, a couple of Norwegian uh, people, uh, Olaf Jensen and his father Jens, uh, were fishing up north of uh, Franz Josef Land when they noticed a lead through the ice. And they followed this lead northeast of Franz Josef Land and accidentally found their way through the North Pole opening to the inner earth. 
reached the inner earth uh, and and uh, sailed along the coast and went up this big river, they were met by a ship of inner earth that was coming down the river and were taken in by them, and they lived among them for two years. And uh, they related to him that their God that was uh, Jehovah. Now, it's interesting that Olaf Jensen and his father were not Christians. Right. They they right. believed in the Norwegian gods of Odin and Thor, which is their mm-hmm. ancestors. Is that that popular in Norway? No. Will still be a pagan? No, it's not. Um, okay. So, so eighteen twenty is <laughs> that the date wrong? Uh, what he's talking about is a book called "The Smoky God" or "Voyage to the Inner Earth," which was okay. a nineteen oh eight book written by the novelist and Chicago newspaper man named Willis George Emerson. Never heard of it. It is incredibly obscure. Uh, the book presents what claims to be a true account of the adventures of a Norwegian sailor named Olaf Jensen, talking about him and his dad ending up at the inner earth. Uh, and he tells this story allegedly to Willis while on his deathbed in like 1900. So you can find this book on Project Gutenberg. It's actually not very long, um, but it, it is a book that you can access online for sure. Was the author claiming this to be a real story or this was a work of fiction? But our, uh, uh, I forget our gentleman's name, um, Willis George Emerson. Willis George Emerson uh, took it as truth. So Willis George Emerson uh, said that it was truth, but it's 1908, and I think it's pretty fair to say it's it's kind of nonsensical. Uh, okay. The the other thing to call out is that he very much wrote it in line with like an H.P. Lovecraft short story. So when you think about H.P. Lovecraft and how it's always like, oh, this terrible thing has happened to me and I'm dictating all the events as I best recall them. That's very much the style of this quote unquote, you Uh, know, true story. So like that, yeah, the pulp, that kind of pulp fiction that was going on around the time. Yeah, exactly. So I think it fits in with what uh, novelists and people writing fiction were doing in 1908 for sure. Right. So. That's where the story comes from. The other thing to call out is that I looked it up and Norway has been Christian since like 900 AD. And this was the 1820s. There were not pagans around this time. And Olaf there probably actually, were some. There, there probably were been, some. There, there probably been were a handful. Some. Yeah. Olaf is named after a saint. So that's right, another right. little knock there. Uh, saint Olaf uh is is an actual saint in Catholicism. So my guess is that whoever this person is was not actually pagan. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. But I will say, you know, uh, sailing is a great uh, pastime for a pagan. So I will give him that. But I think a lot of Norwegians are sailors and fishermen. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are fishermen. Uh, but Odin Thor has not been widely worshipped since like 1000 AD. So it's not yeah. a, a common practice. Well, maybe we need to bring it back, Paul. I don't think we should. I mean, Marvel's doing its best, right? Oh, God. All right. So inside the inner earth, though, there still is an atmosphere. So you there still is breathable air. So that's an important aspect of this. Uh, would there be clouds up there in there? Oh, the, yeah, the atmosphere uh, inside uh, is the, the is just like on the outside of the su- surface of the Earth. Uh, most of the atmosphere 
uh, is within the first 45 miles, but extends up uh, to about 600 miles uh, uh, as it rarefies towards space. The same on the inside of the Earth, the, uh, the air uh, would only go up about 45 miles and uh, on up to about 600 miles in a rarefi- rarefied uh, uh, density. I can see a whole, like, 30 to 45 minutes of the show is George just asking, are there trees in there? Yeah? How about grass? Is there grass in there? Oh, okay. Uh, Wind. They get some wind and some rain? Oh, okay. That's literally the show. That's most (laughs) of the show is him doing that. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Yes. Another good one was him asking if they feel our earthquakes. Do it. (laughs) Any inhabitants in a hollow earth, I mean, do they feel our surface earthquakes or anything like that? Yes, the earth, earth, large earthquakes cause the earth to vibrate like a bell. And uh, a bell is hollow. So that right there is evidence that our earth is hollow uh, when, whenever there's a large earthquake. Uh, causes the earth to ring like a bell with a period of about uh, 54 minutes. Uh, you can find that right in your encyclopedia. <laughs> first, 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 I love uh, uh, it rings like a bell and a bell is hollow. And so that's proof of the hollow earth is that bells are hollow and they ring. He and, has uh, a point. Bells take- are hollow and they do ring. Take that, science bitches. That's everything that he does throughout this interview is like that. Yeah. We're just like, and that's also evidence that the earth is hollow because uh, it vibrates the core and we're, it's like a bell. I went down to the Krispy Kreme and uh, they, I saw them making the glazed donuts and a glazed donut, when you bite into it, it's pretty hollow and well, the earth's pretty hollow. So that's science right there. There you and go. It tastes Chris. pretty good, George. There you go. I like He's... a little sugar with my coffee. He's proving it. Now, inside we have atmosphere, right? But we also have this inner sun. So let's get into the inner sun and how that. Got to know more about the inner sun. Got to. Then that the people on the surface of the hollow portion of the planet are about three thousand some miles from the sun, right? Right. Wouldn't they burn up? I mean. If we were 3,000 miles from our sun, it's history time for us. Yeah, but the inner sun is built uh, so that it produces just a, uh, the right amount of heat to produce uh, ideal climate and temperatures on the inside surface of the planet. It's a paradise there. That was very nice of the planet to do that. It wasn't that kind? It's perfect. It's just designed to be correct, so therefore it's not a problem. It's just paradise down there, George. What a tiny little sun it has to be, though, because, like, first off, the Earth is much smaller than the sun. The sun is huge. And then to have a little baby sun inside, but then that sun is also weak enough to where it doesn't just burn you up and it's just like a tropical paradise. That is interesting. Like I said, the molten core, baby, it wouldn't be nowhere near as hot as plasma. Well, and there's also a year-round growing season, which is nice because you don't have seasons because the yeah. sun's just there. The sun's just hanging out. I just love seasons. Well, unless there could, there is potential here because remember with our flat Earth theory, David Weiss talking about how we have seasons because the sun just kind of like drifts in circles. Maybe right. 
the hollow earth sun kind of shifts up and down a little bit. So you do yeah. get a bit of a winter or a bit of a summer, depending on yeah. the the gyration of the sun. That's a great theory. Thanks. Thanks. I should do this. I should be on coast. I don't know what's happening. Um, <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, we've really taken way too much lore in that I think we could be pretty good at this. I think we could. Let's give it a little bit and we'll see what happens. I think now, we could be pretty good at this. The other cool thing about Inside the Hollow Earth, Chris, is that everything there is giant, right? All the vegetation, all the plants, all the fruits yes. and vegetables. Yes. What, so uh, what Olaf Jansen reported that uh, everything grows bigger there. Trees grow to a thousand feet tall. Uh, even the people are from seven feet to 15 feet tall. Oh my, which, uh, while the Bible used to describe giants. And there's lush vegetation there. The, the vegetation grows uh, like a paradise. Uh, Olaf Jensen uh, remarked that uh, some of the apples that grow on the trees in the, in the earth are as large as your head. We have 1,000-foot trees, and the sun is only 3,000 feet from the humans on the floor of the hollow earth. So these trees are only like 2,000 feet away from the sun? These trees are a third of the way to the sun. That's crazy. That's madness. How do they not burn that's, up? That's, that's mad. That's craziness. That's some crazy stuff. And the you people lost are 15. 1,000-foot trees. <laughs> and yeah. the people are 15 yeah. feet tall. I don't know what's going on. I don't mind the 15-foot-tall people. The 1,000-foot trees are insane. Is that too much for you? It's too much. How big must their root systems be? I would like to eat an apple that was as big as my head, though. That would be kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, that would be a good time. All right, so let's get more into these people, Chris, the lost tribes of Israel that are living down there. What's their Yeah, you know, you know the internal dynamics of Hollow Earth societies are like top of my list of, of lore necessities. Got to figure it out. Got to figure it out. And uh, the people uh, there live to be uh, up to 800 years old uh, with no sickness or disease. Uh, it's just a, a veritable paradise. After spending uh, a year learning their language, he and his father were taken overland in the monorail train to their capital city, which is built around the original lost Garden of Eden. Yeah, Olaf Jansen described the people of inner earth as North European-type peoples that uh, have blonde hair or red hair or brown hair, uh, blue eyes, uh, very tall, uh, very educated, highly advanced in the sciences, and in uh, music, very, very musical people. This Just, man has has brought Christianity into this in a, in a very weird way, in a very, very strange way. They're like 800 years old. Old, that's like very old testament mm -hmm. and then he lost me again with the blue-eyed uh, blonde-haired jews some nice white inner earth jews chris <laughs> when the jews came <laughs> out of the age. middle east we all know they had blue eyes and blonde hair <laughs> everyone knows this <laughs> everyone knows everyone it knows. is known 
that the lost tribe was nothing but blue-eyed, blonde-haired Jews. Classic. Yeah, lost me there for sure. Yeah, he he's mixing in a lot of Old Testament stuff, and I think that's a big part of his belief system as well. He's Mormon, um, so I think he is. <laughs> yeah, that explains the the blue eyes and blonde hair, dude. <laughs> that's a big Joseph Smith thing, dude. Explains the racism a little bit. <laughs> cool, loud and clear, brother. You should have started with that. Yeah, and I yeah. wouldn't second guessed any of this. Yeah, yeah, he he is Mormon. I think it plays into a lot of his belief structure of what he thinks is actually going to go on there. And I think that's why he bit in hook, line, and sinker into the Olaf Jensen story. Like, once you believe in the hollow earth, if you are prone to believing the Old Testament is literal, the Olaf Jensen story basically says, Old Testament's real. It's just all the people that live forever in the Garden of Eden and all the cool stuff is inside of the earth. That's just what you can't find. Yeah, Yeah, you're just not allowed to know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, cool. But they also have a, a monorail. Uh, the interesting thing, monorail, though. Monorail, monorail. The interesting thing that that connects with John Rhodes, because John Rhodes would always talk about how inside of the hollow earth, these, these reptilian-like creatures didn't have to dise- deal with war or disease. Now, our boy Rodney's saying the exact same thing, and I still don't understand it. What about being inside the earth keeps you protected right. from war or disease? You stupid humans on the surface of the planet just getting bombarded by your evil sun when you could go inside the planet and be completely protected by disease and famine. With the sun that was built for us special payment makes sense because they have a year-round growing season so you never don't grow food so that's something yeah Yeah. i don't know anyways let's get back to the inner sun this guy's hopping around all over the place uh what keeps the inner sun from just falling over chris gravity it's a good answer uh it's suspended in the center of the earth by Gravity and also by uh, a, a ion emission that repels uh, it, it repels from all directions, so it keeps it centrally located in the center of the planet. All right, so it, 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 there's no danger of the thing smashing into the inside of the planet, right? No. An ion emission, George. What does that the mean? Ions. They're how, emitting. How are ions holding a sun in place? It, dude, it's the ions and it's the gravity. That Joker ain't going nowhere. Okay. And so when he says it's gravity, I also understand what that means. So is is basically he's he's saying that the inner star is like in a perfect stasis, where like once it's in the dead center of the hollow Earth, then it's being equally pulled in all directions by gravity. Right. So therefore, it doesn't move. Is that what we're getting at? Right. And then I think okay. the ions. I think he's kind of in his mind trying to create like when you put two batteries two like negatives of a battery together and a kind of or two negatives of a magnet together and they blast off of each other yeah i think that's what he's trying to create with this suspended sun is that like the negatives of the earth and the negative ion emissions of the sun keep it perfectly in stasis 
in the hollow earth. Yeah, you just made that make sense. Okay. I All right, I'm here for it. You're the yeah, I, I'm believing it more and more. <laughs> yeah. Uh I'm pretty happy with that response, dude. I don't I don't know how happy I should be that I totally figured out this insane man's thinking. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't speak well for uh for no. the uh no <laughs> how well your brain's doing, but that's okay. Now that's, that's not good. That's not here's good. the great thing about this, Chris, is that you may think, okay, the Earth's hollow, but there's no way other planets are hollow, right? I figured they were all hollow, actually. They're all hollow. They're all hollow. Can you assume, Rodney, that uh, if the Earth formed this way, other planets form the same way? Absolutely. On my website, I have a picture of a Hubble Space Telescope image of the North Polar opening of Mars. Uh, but on this one certain day, there was hardly any cloud cover. And you can see down inside the polar opening, it looks like a giant crater. Mercury, curiously, is uh, rolling around the sun on its side with its polar opening pointing towards the Earth. And it has, they have scientists, uh, astronomers have seen this bright white spot in the middle of uh, uh, Mercury. I'm wondering what it is. And all it is is the polar opening of Mercury uh, and the inner sun shining out through it. And we can see it. Stupid scientist. It's a hole. Do you have this photo on Mars that he's talking about? Were you able to find it? No, I couldn't figure out what he was talking about. Nothing okay. that I could find looked like a hole in the top of Mars. And, and it wasn't on his website? No, uh, I his website's pretty much defunct at this point. Oh, really? Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. So... Um, I don't really know what he was talking about there. I haven't been able to find any videos or images of, right. um, you know, Mars or Mercury having holes in it. If anyone does have those, uh, c2cpmpod at gmail.com. Now, the rest of the solar system, Chris, is also hollow. So he goes yeah. into the, the whole shebang about how all this works. This is how God makes planets. Apparently it is. With And they all have stars inside of them. And they all have little baby stars inside of them. The reason how our Earth has a magnetic field is because the inner sun is a crystal ball that uh, rotates at a different speed from the shell and has a elect uh, electric charge as well as the shell of the Earth has electric charge. And these two charges rotating about each other creates this magnetic field. And I did a recalculation of all the the gaseous planets, including the sun, that if uh, they are hollow and have a, sh a shell that's 10% uh, of the diameter of the planet, they would all be solid. My calculation for the density of the sun is that it's 2.6, which indicates that it is a crystal ball. Do you have other scientists, Rodney, who accept this theory about the hollow Earth? Scientists now. I don't know of any. None. I would pay good money to see those calculations that he was doing because I guarantee you they're gibberish. <laughs> he said that he did calculations of the sun and said that its mass is 2.5, which indicates it's a crystal ball. Right. What does 2.5 mean? <laughs> 2.5 units, Paul. 2.5 <laughs> units. What does that mean? And why does mean it's a crystal ball? Because, Paul... 2.5 always clearly means crystal. Apparently, I'm just 
I'm just a dumb science bitch for trying yeah. to figure out what he's talking about. No, dude, 2.5. Dude, Crystal. Guy, what what do you think his calculations are? Like, I feel like he's just like scribbling frantically on a notepad oh, yeah. and it's I, just like random numbers. Oh, it's gotta be. It's gotta be almost complete bupkis. But I do love his absolute truth to George being like, oh, not one scientist believes this. Not a single one. Not a single one has called me and said, hey, bud, you're really on to something here. Well, and the great part is he doesn't seem to think it's a problem that not a single scientist is buying into this. Why would they, dude? They're trying to keep the holes that lead us to the center of the earth hidden from us because Mm -hmm. of the military industrial complex. Yeah. Yeah. They got to, they got to keep it secret. Apparently the government does know about this and they are trading technology, uh, potentially with the inner earth world. So that is something to be aware of as well. So is this the explanation as to why not another nuclear bomb has been dropped? Because they seemed a little ticked off about the the first two. Rodney doesn't connect that, but he should. Okay. Because I think that would oh, okay. be a fun little addition here. But he at no point does he claim that it actually had an impact on our policies Relations. on the outer right. worlds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But but well, I mean it is somewhat because we're trading technology with them. Yeah, it potentially does. Um, I mean, that's a policy. That's a public policy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a secret policy. But it's still a policy. Yeah. I mean, trade a trade is a relationship mm-hmm. and an exchange of goods, and things have to happen in between those. You know, what is getting exchanged? What are we sharing with them? What are they sharing with us? Why are they sharing those things? Yeah. That's policy, baby. That's policy. And uh, here's the thing. They are also super advanced because they haven't had to deal with war or famine. Uh, So let's get into just how advanced they are. So how many years do you think they are ahead of us technologically? A hundred? Fifty? Oh, no. I think they're at least 2,000 years uh, in advance of us. Uh, Galileo started the scientific revolution uh, only 300 years ago. Right, right. So they're way ahead of us then. How How did they get this technology? Uh, they've been progressing uh, since they went up there 2,500 years ago. So without any wars or disease, uh, they were able to progress uh, a lot faster uh, continuously. So, Paul, there's actually a theory that warfare is one of the main reasons we've progressed so far so quickly. So he's actually kind of going against the tide saying that because there were no wars that they were able to technologically advance so much more quickly. I thought that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And I think he also makes a really weird statement and he he keeps doing this, how they had us, they they realized what science was way before us. (laughs) So therefore they're way more advanced. I'm like, that's, we were still advancing before we had the scientific method, right? Right. The scientific right. method is just like a more efficient way of going about it. But it's yeah. like we went from bronze to iron. Like we were still doing stuff. Like we yeah. had aqueducts. Like we, we yeah. figured some shit out. You ever seen porcelain, baby? Come on now. Yeah. That's for real. 
I I don't know. It was a weird. It's a weird statement. Just be like, well, they didn't have war, and then they had a scientific revolution earlier, so they're like two thousand years ahead of us. I'm. I mean, to be fair, he has the same idea of science as the people who say they believe science. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. All of this is leading up to the fact that he is doing an expedition to the hollow earth, Chris. So mm-hmm. let's get into his expedition. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this expedition that is planned. Exactly when is it planned? But uh, Steve Curry has been... Uh taken uh, satisfied explorers all around the world for over 30 years, a quarter million people he says he's taken, uh, mainly river rafting, and uh, he wanted to know if we could put together an expedition to the hollow earth and wanted to know uh, where I thought the most likely location of the North Polar opening is, and we're inviting anybody that's interested, as scientists, uh, explorers, uh, tourists, this ship, uh, the Russian nuclear icebreaker, uh, is one of the most powerful ships in the world. 70,000 horsepower. It cuts through the Arctic ice like butter. So anyone could have joined for this, Chris. Was there a real, like, call for people to join this expedition? Oh, yeah, there was a whole website. This was literally, this was what this episode was, was him calling for people to join the expedition. And you could buy tickets or yeah. what? Yeah, so you would buy a ticket for the voyage. It costs $20,000. And they wow. were renting a Russian nuclear icebreaker ship that could crush through the ice and get to the polar opening. Oh, my God. Please tell me you have the information about this once we're finished. Oh, yeah. No, dude, he he lists the whole itinerary. Okay. Oh, really? (laughs) Okay. Because he, they planned every bit of the trip out, right? It was going to be about a 24 day trip and they were going to go inside the hall of earth. They were going to meet with people and they're going to go on the monorail and they're going to come on back. You had to go to Russia though, right? Or did they leave from America? Uh, They were departing from Russia. So you did have to fly to Russia. All right. You had to get to Russia. You had to pay $20,000 to get a seat on -hmm. the voyage to the journey to the center of the earth. Yes. And people took him up on this. Apparently, people were taking them up on this. Okay. Just keep going. All I right. want to hear the itinerary. Let's let's get to the itinerary. This this cutter, this Russian cutter, goes how fast? How many knots? It goes about 12 knots through ice and about 19 knots uh, through open ocean. 19 open ocean. So it could take you another 30, 40 hours, I think, once you're in 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 the curvature to be able to see the sun. Yeah, our uh, itinerary is that uh, we will start from Murmansk, Russia, where is the port of these uh, nu- nuclear race, uh, icebreakers, and it's about a thousand miles of open ocean to, before you start to get to the ice, just north of the Franz Josef Land, and then another 400 miles to the pole, and then we would have another 500 miles uh, of ice as we're going in the polar opening before we get to open ocean. You got to give it to the Russians, dude. If you got enough money, you can do anything in Russia. That was the first thing I thought. I was because this is a government ship. Yeah. But you can rent it. Right. Uh, yeah. There, there, of course, there's a Russian general being like, you want to do what? You're going to do, you're going to sell it for how much? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can borrow one of our nuclear icebreakers to go to the center of the earth. Sure. You just got to pay me $500,000. 
can you imagine the crew? Because this was a fully staffed crew. There were like hundreds of people that would need to be in this crew for the ship to run. Can you imagine being one of them and just having all these like idiot Americans come on saying that they're looking for a hole in the North Pole? <laughs> I, dude, it was pro- it was probably it probably broke up the doldrums and and the admirals thinking, well, I just got somebody to pay for a training exercise. Yeah, yeah, we just got. You know uh, what I mean? Dude, he, yeah. it's probably not even paying for a training exercise. It was probably buying him a boat, dude. <laughs> right. No, definitely. This is, but I, you know, my immediate thought is the, uh, wasn't that like the first uh, person into space was through a Russian or a, a first non-astronaut, a first like tourist in space. Yeah. Was through a Russian spaceship. You're right. It's almost. It's basically the same thing. You just give them yeah. enough money, they'll let you tag along. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'll give you gonna give us how much money? Yeah, you can go into space. Yeah, that was a billionaire. I think it was an yeah. American billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. You can. You can go into space. Yeah. Center of the Earth. Sure. Let's do it. How much money are you giving me? Let's do it. Let's uh, go. The rest of the itinerary. So let's get through uh, uh, Rodney's uh, continuation here. Yeah, our itinerary is to go into uh, until we find the intercontinent which is about halfway through the polar opening, and then uh, try to find the river that, that uh, Olaf Jansen uh, sailed up uh, called the Heidekel. We will go up this river to the uh, port city where he uh, was taken in called Jehu, and uh, there we'll uh, try to take an inner earth uh, monorail train to their capital city at the Garden of Eden to visit the palace of the king of the inner world. Let's hope they're friendly. Most of the time, when you go into another country unannounced with military technology, they don't take too kindly to that. Yeah, yeah, probably not, probably not, but that's did, okay. Did he did he somehow send a warning to the inside Earthers? No, he said that they were just super friendly and nice, and that they weren't gonna. They're it wasn't fine. gonna be a problem. That's cool. He was very confident that this would not be an issue. Yeah. Uh, Admiral Byrd had such a positive experience. Why wouldn't we? Now, if you go to the website for this trip, which he promotes um, on the episode, it's called VoyageHollowEarth.com. It's still around. You can still access the website and see the full itinerary for the planned trip. Okay. So uh, on on the itinerary, you pay $20,950 for this voyage, and then you're going to get your own room on the icebreaker. Got that in the back pocket. Yeah. Good to go. Good to go. I mean, to see the hollow earth, it would be worth it. I'll be honest. Oh, 100%. 100%. (laughs) Now, from the itinerary, day one. Depart from Moscow, Russia. You will need to arrange your own airfare to Moscow. So the 20K does not include Doesn't airfare. cover airfare. Okay. Which is a bummer. That is a bummer. All right. Day two, arrive in Moscow, and you'll be staying at the Hotel Rossiya, which is located next to the St. Basil's Cathedral. Spend the rest of the day sightseeing in Moscow. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a, t- a couple of tour guides. You're going to have to pay for all of that, too. <laughs> yeah, you figure that part out as well. You figure that part out. Day three, finish your sightseeing of Moscow in the morning. You will take an afternoon flight to Murmansk, Russia, where we will board the Russian icebreaker Yamal. 
Oh my, dude, this is sounding sketchy already. I think it sounds so pleasant. I would totally take this cruise. Keep I would have paid $20,000 for this. this keep going, great. keep going. Days four through seven, enjoy yourself in a route to the North Pole on the Yamal. Okay, they, all right. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be insane. I mean, that would that would be an insane trip for anyone, I think, to just be taking an icebreaker through the North Pole, dude. That would be nuts. That would be an awesome time. I'm telling you, I think it is worth the 20000 like for real, just yeah. for that part. Uh, day eight, spend the day at the North Pole and even call home to talk to family or friends. Hey, Paul, I'm calling you from the North Pole. <laughs> We're about to go in the the polar opening. It's so exciting. That's so cute, man. So, <laughs> call your friends and family from the North Pole. They also promised to call George from the North Pole. Yeah, uh, with, with their satellite phones. Now you keep on saying a lot of of things that make it sound like this didn't happen. Uh, uh, well, we'll get there. We'll okay. get there. Okay. <laughs> no, they did find the whole. You don't remember the Hollow Earth people <laughs> that found the Hollow Earth. I thought they at least took the boat trip, but it sounded like they're not, they didn't even take the boat trip. We'll get there. Okay. Days nine through 11, start the search for the North Polar opening to the intercontinent. I, I thought you just ran into it and you started going into the hole. So they wanted to test it out, right? Just the tip. They wanted to kind of like go okay. in with the gyroscopes and then come back out. And then you like to come up with a different way to describe <laughs> it, Paul. Oh my god. Uh and they want to come back out, let everyone know they found it, and then go in, right? So yeah, yeah. uh so they're they, just playing with the outside of the hole. Yeah, just you know, get just we're just touching the rim. <laughs> Days 12 through 14. Once found, travel up the Hadekel River to the city of Jehu. He has names for these places. Yeah, that's the best part about this. <laughs> he knows the entire geography of the inner earth. That's incredible. Yeah. Jehu. Dude, that is a Mormon-ass name for a place. Yeah. Days 15 through 16. Take a monorail to the city of Eden to visit the palace of the king of the inner world. So they're way more enlightened than us, but they still have a king. They still have king, but they, they do have apparently really solid public transit. So that is a plus for the that, Hey, better than America. Well, and they, they have to have a king because that's where the descendant of King David lives. Right. So you right, got to Right, right. So you got to have a king. Yep. That's an interesting point about the public transportation. I wonder if our uh, intrepid travelers also had to pay for the monorail system once they got into the hollow earth? Or do you think that was free? I I think it's free the way he was talking because we wouldn't have appropriate money for that. Or maybe someone will cover you. Maybe someone yeah, will cover uh, you. Yeah. Uh, welcome dignitaries of the outer <laughs> planet. Welcome Rodney Clough of the outer earth. Yeah. Here's, here's your free monorail trip. Uh, day 17 to 18. Return back to the city of Jehu on the monorail. We will then continue our journey through the North Polar opening on board the Yamal for the return trip home. Day 19 wow. through 23, enjoy the trip back to Murmansk. And day 24, catch a flight from Murmansk to Moscow. Then you catch your connecting flight back to your hometown. It sounds like a great itinerary. I mean, it, it, you're absolutely right. It probably would be worth 20K to do all that. 
Yeah, and they did have a backup plan. If they did not find the hole to the inner earth, there were a series of islands around, I guess, the Arctic where people have found mammoth bones that they were going to explore instead to see if they could find evidence of the hollow earth there. That would have been pretty intense too. Like mm -hmm. getting to take home a mammoth bone, that that's a that's a top level thing I would love to do in my life. Yeah. Well, the the bad news here, though, Chris, they were supposed to go around 2006, 2007. Uh, Rodney had partnered up with Steve Curry to do this, who sadly passed away in 2006. Quoting from the website, as a result, all future trips have been canceled. So he was the money bags. Yeah. And it, well, he was the expedition guy. He was only had coordinated expeditions previously. Okay. So he was the guy that was actually going to manage the whole affair. And he, right. he died in 2006. Oh, so it, it just never was able to materialize. It even never later happened, than yeah. that. Yeah. It never happened after That's... Steve Curry died. Just ended. Yeah. What happened to all the people who paid for tickets to go? Did they get I their like money to... back? I like to think they got their money back. He was actually doing installment plans where you pay $5,000 okay. every six months starting in okay. 2004. Okay. Um, so I, I haven't heard online of anyone not getting their money back. Okay. Okay. So. Good. Good. Dang, dude. That was – that. what a disappointing end. I know. That's – most of the Hollow Earth stories, Chris, have very disappointing endings. <laughs> yeah, man. I at least was hoping they were going to get to drive around in that nuclear – uh, icebreaker because that would have been yeah intense just it, alone would have been a great story like i wish i could have found clips of them calling george nori from the yeah. north pole being like well we're, we got the gyroscopes out but we just can't seem to find the hole hey, he would have done an episode oh hold he would have done an episode yeah right i mean you got to do an episode call in from the north pole yeah. that's pretty cool yeah. that would have been a top level thing for coast we would cover it for sure. Yeah, that would have been a classic for sure. But alas, they never made it. Bummer. But that is the story of the Hollow Earth, Chris. Full of monorails, giants, huge trees, inner suns, uh, and kings uh, sitting on thrones. It's a Mormon fever dream, dude. I mean, that's what I think that may be what I titled this episode, the Mormon fever dream journey to the center of the earth on a scale of one to five giant apples, the size of your head. What do you give the inner earth story? I'm going to, I'm, I had a lot of fun. I had a blast, but I'm giving it like a two, <laughs> two giant head sized apples because this, this was insane. This was crazy. I mean, the lore didn't really work he definitely lost me with the blue-eyed blonde-haired jews that walked all the way there somehow and then the internal sun and having the names for all the thing, you know all the rivers and cities it was just way too much joseph smith for me dude and it, that's always going to get low. like a two maybe a one and a half that's fair. I'm going to give it a two as well. I loved how earnest this guy was. Like, he really was. He really, he, he may have really believed a lot of this stuff. I think he fully believed all of it. Like yeah. there's so many aspects of it. And he's just unfazed by anything about this. Like the fact that not a single scientist believes it. Like he yeah. does not care because he's just yeah. in it, dude. And he's ready to go on this trip. That, um, and it was, it was, 
was Jason the Horse vibes, dude, for sure. Yep, yep, it was. Um, and the, the thing that I honestly respect about it, though, is that not only does he believe this crazy thing, but he is willing to actually take the trip to try and find the hole. It's like the flat earther who blew himself up on a rocket trying to right. like get high enough to show that the earth is actually flat. You know, the man's dedicated. Yeah, that's dedication, dedicated. dude. Dedication yep. to the craft. And we don't get that kind of dedication these days dude we don't we don't i'm definitely not money where your mouth is yeah i've never heard of anybody taking a, a journey even uh you know a fake one that didn't actually end up happening maybe calling it a fake one was a little too harsh but you know the plan they they planned the trip yeah you don't hear about that you don't well that was our Hollow Earth story. Um, we did not do housekeeping at the front end. So if you uh, do have any thoughts, c2cpmpod at gmail.com is our email address. You can find us on Twitter at c2cpmpod or our subreddit, Coast to Coast PM. And if you like us, please take like two seconds and drop us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, it's the easiest way to help out the show. And you can also uh, subscribe to get our episodes that we drop every Thursday. And lastly, you can support us on Patreon by following the link in the show notes uh, where you'll get ad-free episodes and early access to episodes. Uh, and that'll be the show. Uh, we'll see y'all next week. All conspiracy, all the time. Later. <laughs>